Ephesians chapter 6. Now we're going to read from verses 10 through to 20, uh, but here we'll be preaching on us and concentrating on verses 18 to 20. So if you have your Bible, it's Ephesians chapter 6, and start reading at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Well, so read God's word, and may that be a blessing uh, to us this morning. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, your Son commanded us to abide in his word. Therefore, Lord, we pray that we would obey that command even now as we come to your word and take it into our hearts that we might bear fruit to your eternal praise and glory. We pray, Father, that you would help us. We pray that you would give to us all that we need to do that and that we would leave this place of people rejoicing and equipped to serve you in this world. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. 
So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on the one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. We come this morning to the closing few verses in the passage on spiritual warfare. Before Christmas, we we put our series in Ephesians into slow motion mode, didn't we? And we looked at each of the pieces of the armor of God. And we saw as, as we did that, that Paul's point there in the verses that Gary read to us is simply this, stand. Stand, because although we are called to to wrestle against the rulers and against the authorities and the cosmic powers over this present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, the battle is the Lord's. And therefore, our main task as believers is to stand, to stand firm as those dressed in the armor of God. And so today is stand Part four. And as, as Paul draws this famed passage to a close today, he's going to speak to us about the vital place of prayer in our stand against the enemy. Having stu- studied this passage all week long, I would go so far as to say this that apart from prayer, the whole armor of God is useless. Why? Because prayer is how we appropriate every piece of the armor of God. The prayerless soldier is the helpless soldier, no matter what he or she is wearing. Someone said this, as the, as the Christian soldier readies himself, he adjusts his war belt. His heart pounds under his breastplate so that it almost rings He scoffs at the earth like a football player with his nail-studded boots, testing his traction. He repeatedly draws his great shield across his body in anticipation of the fiery barrages to come. Reflectively, he reaches up and repositions his helmet. He gingerly tests the edge of his blade. The enemy approaches. A thousand swords ring from their scabbards in dreadful symphony. The warriors stand motionless, breathing heavenly, and then the Christian soldier does the most amazing thing. He falls to his knees in prayer. To be sure, this writer says, there will be action. He will rise, his steel will flash, but all will be done in prayer, for prayer is primary. So although I felt reluctant, even a bit self-conscious of slowing down, our series in Ephesians as much as I did before Christmas because I know I'm not Lloyd-Jones. I know I'm not someone who can 
spend a decade in one book of the Bible without emptying the church anyway. I'm so glad I did. Why? Because in the providence of God, we come to this passage on prayer on the cusp of our week of prayer beginning tomorrow. And what a way to frame the following week. From tomorrow night, Lord willing, we're going to be gathering every night of the week in the church building, 7.30 to 8.30, and we're, we're going to be praying and seeking the face of God in prayer. Uh, do just let me say, if you don't have one of those blue booklets that's going to detail the points for us to pray about, do take them on the way out uh, as you leave today. But may this message be used of God to frame that week of prayer for us and for our eyes to be opened to the vital place of prayer and for us to be equipped to live as men and as women of prayer, even as the spiritual war rages all around us. How are we to stand? Well, Paul has three answers in this passage today. Answer number one, in prayer. Answer number two, in prayer for the saints. And answer number three, in prayer for gospel proclamation. How are we to stand Number one, in prayer. Look at verse 18. Uh, Paul writes there, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. How are we to stand as soldiers of Jesus Christ? Answer number one, in prayer. Praying, Paul writes, at all times. Not literally meaning uh, every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year uh, such that we don't work when we're at work, such that we don't eat at the dinner table or sleep in our beds at night. If that's what Paul meant, then he made a big mistake in writing this letter since the reading of it would take us away from prayer. But no, <laughs> Paul's point here is that the posture of our lives is to be one of prayerfulness. That our stance as believers is to be one of humble reliance on God our Father. That we, that we don't restrict prayer to the second half of our quiet times and then live like atheists for the rest of the day and for the rest of our time. No, the mode, the manner, the demeanor, the stance of our existence is to be one of habitual reliance on God. Why? Remember the context, we have an enemy. We are at war. We have an enemy who could eat us for breakfast if it were not for the sovereign protection of the God upon whom we call when we bow our knees in prayer. And to help us grasp that, Paul, he fleshes out what he means here when he says in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Now let's say that in this coming week, uh, you were to meet with a friend over coffee and a, a slice of lemon drizzle cake, just for example. And this, this person were to ask you, hey, I was reading Ephesians chapter six the other day, and I read Paul say that we're to pray in the spirit. What does that mean? What does it mean to pray in the spirit? I wonder how you'd answer that question. 
I think many of us would say something like, well, to pray in the Spirit uh, means, to be, means to pray as led or as prompted by the Holy Spirit. And it surely does mean uh, at least that, doesn't it? But notice that this call to pray in the Spirit, it comes after reference to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Why? Well, because the one happens via the other. Praying in the Spirit depends on the sword of the Spirit. A year or so ago, I heard uh, an interview with a, a Christian writer called Donald Whitney. And, and Donald Whitney said in this interview that for, for many believers, they, they struggle so much in prayer because they pray about the same old things using the same old words in the same old way over and over again. Does that sound familiar to anyone here today? But then he said, it's been the practice of Christians down through the ages to pray God's word back to him. And he gave an example of, of what that can look like. So he opened his Bible to Psalm 23 and he just read the first line, the Lord is my shepherd. And he prayed by, by way of an example, Lord, thank you that you're my shepherd. Lord, thank you that you're a good shepherd. Lord, thank you that you've shepherded me all my life. And Lord, thank you that when I went astray like a lost and a foolish sheep, you came looking for me. And you put me on your shoulders and brought me back rejoicing. Lord, I pray you'd shepherd my family. I pray that you would shepherd those in my family who are far from me. And then he said, you, you run out of things to say and then you just move down to the next line. And you, it's the next line in Psalm 23 says, I shall not want. So you pray, Lord, I pray that you would be so precious to me that all of those things that, that draw me away from you would be counted as rubbish compared to you. And that I'd need nothing beside you because your goodness is enough and you are enough. And he said that since the Bible is a, is a very large book, your prayer life is, is set for the rest of your life because every time you run out of things to say, you just move on to the next line. And that's a sure way in which we can pray in the Spirit by means of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So if you're here today and perhaps you're, you're struggling with feelings of, of anxiety, struggling with feelings of dread when it comes to 2024, going to work tomorrow after a, a lovely Christmas and New Year's break, why not open the sword of the Spirit to Psalm 121? I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And you could pray in response something like, Lord, thank you that you are over every hill. And thank you, Lord, that your, your arm isn't shortened to, to reach down into this valley and, and lift me all the way to the top. And that, Lord, when I'm weak, you are strong. And Lord, you've gotten me through 2023 and every year before, and I believe that you'll get me through this year as well. Lord, help me. Send your spirit to help me to put one foot in front of the other, even as I seek to be faithful to the one who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how we're to stand in prayer. Second, in prayer for the saints. 
Second half of verse 18 says, To that end, and that is to the end that you do pray at all times, to that end, keep alert, verse 18, with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. How, how are we to stand? Well, answer number two, in prayer for the saints. And for that to happen, Paul says, we are to keep alert with all perseverance. See, there are times, aren't there, when our enemy, he hurls an avalanche of fiery darts our way. But friends, we had better understand that he has another strategy. And this strategy can sometimes be far more effective. And this strategy is to do very little of anything at all. Why? Well, to lull us into a false sense of security and to put us to sleep. I know a, a, a missionary who's served for, for decades in Ukraine. And he said when communism collapsed and when religious freedom was recognized and granted, so many of the people, or at least some of the people who had been so razor sharp in their commitment to Christ, all of a sudden began to become squishy like jellyfishes. Their, their commitment waned, attendance dropped, prayers called, and the witness that had one time been vibrant began to become quite dull. Why? Well, because societal peace can fool us into thinking that there is peace, which seems to have worked like a charm when I look around this nation today. But Paul summons to the Ephesian church, and Paul summons to the Hoylakian church here, is to keep alert with all perseverance. Why? Well, for the sake of the saints. And for the sake of our brothers and sisters here in this church, on all of the gospel preaching churches on the world, and all throughout the world. And therefore, for their sake, says Paul, let us bow our knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant them to be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith and that they being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge and that they may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's keep alert and Maintain that perseverance for the sake of that one or two brothers in our church who perhaps have started to feel something of a, of a call to preach and yet they feel a little bit uh, insecure about voicing that in case people don't take them seriously. And let's keep alert in prayer that they'd be given courage and conviction and clarity around God's call on their life. And let's keep alert with all perseverance to make supplication for those sisters in Christ who have just become sisters in Christ and that they would flourish and thrive and grow in their Christ likeness and be immovable and steadfast as they seek to abound in all the work of the Lord and we need to keep alert with all perseverance to make supplication for those in our church who are sick whether in body or in soul fully believing 
that God can deliver them or strengthen them in the condition in which they find themselves today and do far more abundantly than all that we could ever ask, dream, think, or imagine and bring glory to his name in the church throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So let me ask you today, what causes you to fall asleep spiritually? What is it that causes uh, you to drift off to doze? What functions as like a narcotic in your life? Is it that group of friends who seem to exert a more powerful influence on you than you do on them? Is it that addiction to to social media where you just scroll your brain and your soul away? Is it, is it a tendency to let the, the spiritually mature people in your life just carry you along so that you never stand for yourself? You never seek to lead yourself or lead other people closer to Christ. Friend, whatever the forces are in your life that cause you to doze, that cause you to reach for the, for the snooze button of your Christian walk. Name them, shame them, and back off from them. Why? For the sake of our brothers and sisters in this church and around the world. And what forces you to wake up spiritually? What functions as a, a strong black cup of coffee in the morning for you? I'll tell you what wakes me up spiritually the cross, the message of the cross. Because when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, I am confronted with the evil of my sin and the victorious love of my God. And there, in the shadow of the cross, I am kept alert. And I am able to persevere in prayer for you because I recognize how much you need the God of love who spread his arms open there on the cross of Calvary and bled and died for the sake of your soul and this very church. So how are we to stand? Well, number one, in prayer. And number two, in prayer for the saints. And then number three, in prayer for gospel proclamation. Look at verse 19. And also for me, Paul writes, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Of all the things that Paul could have requested prayer for here, he could have requested prayer for a get-out-of-jail card to be thrown in a paper airplane from heaven. He, he could have prayed for an angel to bust him out of house arrest just as an angel busted Peter out of his arrest. But Paul's top priority wasn't for physical doors to be open. Instead, It was for his mouth to be opened boldly to proclaim the gospel. His his concern wasn't for his hands to be free, but for his tongue to be free. 
to declare the mystery of the gospel boldly as he ought to speak. In fact, he was content to be in chains so long as people on the outside were singing, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth, and followed the whatever it cost in order for him to declare the mystery of the gospel boldly as he ought to speak, in order for those slaves of Satan and sin, death, demons, and hell to be liberated and set free to the praise of the glorious grace of God. And you remember what that that mystery of the gospel was and is, the truth that believing Jews and believing Gentiles are equal in the kingdom of God, having one Lord, one faith, one baptism, uniting them all in one body. And since God had called Paul to be his ambassador, his representative that is, Paul was content to be under house arrest in Rome so long as he could boldly proclaim the message wherever God wanted him to be. And I hope you can remember from our series in Acts that Paul had that prayer wonderfully answered in his life. Because do you remember how the book of Acts ends in chapter 28, verse 30? It says, he, Paul, lived there under house arrest in Rome, that is, two whole years, at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all, what's the word? Boldness and without hindrance. So friends, as I bring this message to a close now, I want to speak to the believers in this room and I wonder if we can make a deal among ourselves today. I will pray for your gospel proclamation if you will pray for mine. Pray for me that words would be given to me in the opening of my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel as I ought to speak. Do you know, whenever we we have interns uh, from the States during our summer, we always walk through two books on preaching and pastoral ministry. And one of those books has been The Supremacy of God in Preaching by Dr. John Piper. And he writes this in one of the chapters. All genuine preaching is rooted in a feeling of desperation. You wake up on Sunday morning and you can smell the smoke of hell on one side and feel the crisp breezes of heaven on the other. You go to your study and look down at your pitiful manuscript and you kneel down and cry, Oh God, this is so weak. Who do I think I am? What audacity to think that in three hours my words will be the odor of death to death and the fragrance of life to life. My God, who is sufficient for these things? Well, certainly not me. So would you stand in prayer for me this coming year that words would be given to me as I seek to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel? And as you do, I will stand in prayer for you. And to you believers, do let me close by saying this. Paul's priority will not become our priority until Paul's identity becomes our identity. Identity fashions activity. See, 
we won't think of ourselves until we think of ourselves rather as ambassadors. God making his appeal through us, we will not be faithful to proclaim the gospel as we ought to. And so this week, I want you to remember in your home that you are God's ambassador to your children. I want you to remember in your workplace that you are God's ambassador to your colleagues and that on your street you are God's ambassador to your neighbors and that at your local Tesco you are God's ambassador to the shop workers. Tis all your business here below to cry, behold the lamb, behold the lamb. And if you're here today and you're not yet a believer, then allow me to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel to you today in saying that Christ died for our sins, was buried, was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And if you will repent and believe on him, then you will have all and more than the world combined because you will have him, its maker and its king. And may you do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us and then we'll stand to our feet to sing. Our Heavenly Father, how we worship you and praise you for this mystery of the gospel that Christ died for our sins. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day so that we could be welcomed into this body as equals with those who have gone before us, believing Jews, believing Gentiles, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, under one Savior. And Lord, we do pray that you would use us even this year as we look ahead to 2024, that we would be those ambassadors and that our identity would fashion our activity as we seek to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel as we ought to speak. And Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.